Hey guys, my name is Alex, and you're listening to the Thousand Movie Project Podcast. Something I wanted to mention again, because it's an ongoing thing that I'll be doing for December, and maybe again at some point in 2022. If you are at all interested in reading a passage from the novel that I've been working on, Cuba Fruit, I am sending it out in little booklets, um, along with a sort of hand painted because I got a paint set of watercolors and acrylics and, and charcoals and shit. So I'm doing these artsy little fucking letters of gratitude and sort of holiday well wishes, both as a gesture of thanks for listening, for subscribing, and also because I've been working on this book for a really long time and it feels good to just sort of get it out there and share little snippets of it with anyone who's interested. So it doesn't matter how far you are, just let me know if you're interested in reading a sample of the book. Send me your mailing address to thousandmovieproject at gmail.com and I will get that out to you ASAP. And now, on to the show. I have to go I have to go to my laundromat today before I go to work in the evening and I'm really fucking upset about it because my laundromat is four blocks away from my apartment and I have to walk there because the parking lot is like this cluster fucking dingleberry pizza or it's not that bad but the issue is really just that like I like to drive my car there and then I, I park there and then what I like to do is like I don't like to do it. It's my preferred mode of getting the fuck out of there. I just, I like to shove my clothes into a washing machine and then, whatever, start the cycle and then walk a couple blocks over to a very big Goodwill that they have on 8th Street and just browse the books um, for like at least half of that 30 minute wash cycle. The wash cycle at this laundromat is not 27 minutes long, as the machine tells you when you put in the coins. I've been going to this laundromat for almost four years now, and I always suspected that that last minute of the cycle, when I'm standing, when the machine is saying one minute left, and then I just stand there staring at it, like it's about to hand me something, I've always been convinced that it's way longer than one minute, but I never fucking remembered to time it until like six months ago. And then when I timed it, I found that it was two and a half minutes, consistently which is not really a big fucking inconvenience, but it's just one of those things where, like, I guess because I go to the laundromat with this prevailing feeling of injustice, that something is being done to me, that I have to walk four blocks with a fucking gigantic bag of laundry and then stand in this unventilated hell room. The, the, the atmosphere, the air quality in the laundromat, it feels like if you could shrink down and inhabit that little cutout space of a glory hole. Anyways, I go there with that sort of... Oh, so, you know, I, I'm being imposed upon mentality, and then I look for things, and it's such a fucking odious quality that I have, but I see it on a regular basis. I start looking for things to be upset about. Not just upset, but offended. So I'm asking myself, like, what conceivable gain could they have? Like, how are they trying to fuck with you? By making the last, by advertising the last minute of the cycle as being two and a half minutes, is it simply because they don't want you wandering away? Sometimes when I'm hanging out at the laundromat for the duration of a cycle, I will try to read on my Kindle, but I get restless with the Kindle because I can't find a comfortable spot to read. The chairs are all like Mattel kind of prison chairs, so I end up having to stand somewhere. And then I always get uncomfortable because someone's always staring at me, or and sometimes some, they'll strike up conversation in, in very rapid-fire Spanish that I can't quite keep up with. And I'm always surprised by the... Which is another thing, like, I'm surprised by the frequency and the adamancy with which people strike up conversation at the laundromat. I would think that no one is in a mood 
to talk while you're there because the way I think about it is like the only thing that could make a very tedious and repetitive chore more odious is if you had to drive a long time to do it. So my conception, like if you were to ask, if I did not go to a laundromat for a long time and then you asked me to sort of like illustrate what the sort of inside environment is like, I would imagine a bunch of people standing around and looking at their feet and just being like kind of quietly angry. But no, people want to engage and talk and catch up and gossip and talk politics. Politics is weirdly prevalent at my fucking laundromat. And like the the week of election in 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 November of 2020, they like it, the whole place was decked out in Donald Trump paraphernalia. But so I, I just I just try and fail to get any reading done. And invariably, what I end up doing while I'm there is I end up wandering over to the vending machine. And while I'm at the vending machine, I will buy a huge bag of plantain chips and I will eat the whole thing right there and I will end up regretting it terribly because they're so incredibly salty. Like they change the, the chemistry of my fingertips. And so then to offset that, that fucking rush of salt, I go back to the vending machine and I get a Sprite. And then while I'm drinking the Sprite, I get like halfway through it in a single gulp because of all that salt I just drank. And I'm like, ah, and it's a very euphoric, tingly moment and with nipples thusly hardened, I invariably end up fucking looking at the nutrition facts, with Sprite in particular. I, I, I don't do this with a very occasional Coca-Cola or Pepsi, but I do with Sprite, I read the facts. Maybe it's something about the green on the can, it like attracts my eye. And in reading the nutrition facts, I find the, 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 the still mystifying fact that a single can of Sprite contains like 24% of what the Surgeon General says it should be your daily allotment of sugar. And every time I read that, I look at the number, 24%, and I'm like, fuck. Well, that means I can only consume three quarters of my normal sugar allotment for the rest of the day. But that is never what it means. I, I always go on eating, like, whatever the fuck I was normally going to eat. But there's a weird thing that happens. Whenever I'm looking at the nutrition facts on any given product, I get outraged at these numbers as though my diet adheres to it at all. Like I, and, and it shows, because if you look at me, I am like a slim guy. But if you slap my body, just these fucking oceanic tides of, 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 of blubber ripples fucking consumes my body. Whenever bugs crawl into my belly button, they like, I, they're, it's very conspicuous because they're wearing a diving bell so as not to be lashed by the waves. Which reminds me, my friend Linda's dad said that he used to collect his navel, the lint that he pulled out of his belly button as a kid. He had a big beer stein on his desk. In his bedroom, he would just gather the lint into the beer stein. And then the other day at the restaurant, I was talking with this regular. Her name is Amanda, and she's got two kids. They're six years old and nine years old. And for the duration of their stay, they're regulars. They're there like every week. And for the duration of their stay, both little girls are entirely consumed in their tablets. And her mom says, oh, I only give them the tablets when we're out at restaurants because, you know, otherwise, I, this generation, they don't know how to appreciate the real world. I don't really understand the rationale behind that. I was thinking maybe she's like, she's afraid that I, will, I the pizza server, I'm going to think that she's a bad parent by letting her kids use tablets. So she's trying to tell me about how much time they spend not using tablets. She's like, oh, kids don't know how to appreciate the world these days, given all of the technology in which they immerse themselves. And I was thinking like, yeah, fucking kids these days are never, I never see a kid pick the lint out of his belly button and put it in a beer stein and then look at it. 15 years ago, I was in high school and I was watching the Today Show before going to school and Katie Couric was interviewing a woman who said that she was selling her father's ghost on eBay. And I lowered my orange juice really slowly and I was like, this is new. 
by the way, all through high school, I would wake up at 5 a.m. and eat breakfast, like, right away. Like, I would run to the kitchen and fucking barrel my way through a bowl of Fruity Pebbles. And the reason that I rushed to eat my breakfast at 5 o'clock when everyone was still asleep is because I knew that I was going to have to poop exactly one hour after eating my Fruity Pebbles. And there was a special kind of dread that I would feel if I was at school and had to poop in the first part of the day. It was an easy enough problem to solve back then, though, because, like, my, bo my body worked in such clockwork machinations that I could just well, wake up a little bit early, and then I know I will poop at exactly this given time. Now, at 30, if I want to know when I'm going to poop, I have to, like, break out fucking tarot cards. But anyway, that lady was selling her dead father's ghost on eBay, and at first I was like, this is a ruse. It's a kind of ruse that I, I, I really protest because it seemed like the kind of ruse that was made for exactly my kind of stupid. Anyways, I think that she ended up selling that ghost for quite a bit of money. Then I was like, okay, if she had been selling it for a small amount of money, if she'd been selling her father's ghost for like a dollar or $10 and she had some kind of cer certificate or something um, or like one of his most prized possessions so I could like, you know, have a sense that, hey, I, have, I own a haunted thing. Would I have done it? I don't think I would, not even for the novelty because I like spooky shit. But then when I'm confronted with spooky shit, I'm like, no, no, thank you, no. But now that came to mind again recently because like in the world now, of cryptocurrency and NFTs and these strange non-fungible items that possess great, you know, value. I was thinking like, what if for $10 in the year 2005, I had bought from that family, like a certificate saying, Alexander Sarando is now the full owner of, of the ghost of Uncle Pete. And then in like the year 2044, there's a new currency like ghost coin, or maybe the digital world somehow puts us into contact with the ghost world, and then, in the year 2044, I could use the fucking full shareholding ownership of the ghost of Uncle Pete to buy a house or a beer. Like, even if that worked, it would be unethical, because it would probably, like, somehow, somehow disrupt whatever Uncle Pete is doing in the afterlife. There's a passage in Paradise Lost where, um, Satan is talking about like venturing out from hell because God, God's made this new thing called Earth and he's got, he's got a little toy on it called man. And Satan, because he's Satan, he wants to go fuck with those things. But in like meditate, he's meditating on the prospect of leaving hell, I think. And there's this soliloquy where he says something like, I, I don't leave hell, I can't leave hell because I am hell. And wherever I go, I, I take it with me. And when I hit hell's bottom, some new depth of it opens up to embrace me. Which, when I think of it now, sounds like a really expedient way of getting to my local laundromat. Like, just plummet to the bottom of hell, and when you hit the fucking molten floor, it'll turn into a kind of mucus, and you can just dribble down into the unventilated glory hole of, of my local $3 wash cycle. Anyways, off I go to the laundromat, and from the laundromat to work. Just wanted to, I guess, be constructive with my negativity and make an episode. Anyways, thanks for listening. Don't forget, if you're interested in reading a passage from Cuba Fruit, just send me your mailing address to thousandmovieproject at gmail.com, or reach out to me on Instagram, or become a patron on patreon.com, and you'll get one whether you like it or not. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next time. listening to the Thousand Movie Project podcast. 
If you like what you heard and you'd like to hear more of it, you can of course check out our back catalog, but you can also support the show by becoming a patron. If you go to patreon.com forward slash thousand movie project, or if you just go to patreon.com, there's like a search bar. I don't know if you can find this show if you just type in my name, but definitely if you type in the name of the show, it will come up. All those donations get pulled up and they amount ultimately to like what I would earn at a shift every month, what I would earn in a shift of bartending, which means that every now and then I can take off a bartending shift and just churn out an episode. Apart from providing some financial breathing room, it's also super like encouraging to think that anyone is listening to this and they're like so interested and so supportive that they're gonna like throw a few bucks at me. Like, so for the for the financial well-being of the show, the regularity of the show, and for the, the warming kernel of encouragement, you can again. Go to patreon.com, search for a thousand movie project podcast, and make a pl- make a pledge. As usual, thank you for listening, and thanks for your support.